Good evening, good evening, and thank you for joining us. It's a Tuesday. It is a beautiful Tuesday. It's a Tuesday evening, and it's a, if it's a Tuesday, you know what that means. It's time for Change Matters Solutions. We do this each and every Tuesday here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It's 7 o'clock here in Big D, Dallas, Tejas. It is 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and it is 5 o'clock on the West Coast. And if you're in the mountain time zone, hey, you do the math. We've got another great show lined up for you. So stick and stay and don't go away. And remember, tell a neighbor, tell a friend about the Change Matters movement. I'm your host, Kenny Hendricks. And I am your host, Colette Williams. And as Kenny Hendricks says, stick and stay, don't go away. And you know I like to repeat that. I think that's cute. So stick and stay. Do not go away. Be right here. Take this ride with us. We are the movement. We are the Change Matters movement. And it's a Tuesday. And it is the end of the month. And tomorrow is the beginning of the last month of the year. Are you folks ready for it? It's already December. It's already December and we're still in COVID. Don't you see this mask I have on? <laughs> we're still in COVID. I remember we back still in, in COVID. I remember the headline in 20 that said, we may have to be masking up through 2022. And basically oh, here we are. And here we are. Because it's going to be 22 in a minute. Don't close your eyes. Don't blink because you'll miss it. It is already 22. And remember, we're doing things in other places because it's already January, February, March. Come on. Time is going by so very fast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's in the headlines, Ken? Uh, Shooting. Uh, outside of Detroit, uh, some suburb outside of Detroit, uh, I believe three people dead, several others oh, wounded no. at, at another high school. Oh, at a high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I didn't see that. I've been on the road. Well, and you know I, what? I God. hate. I hate to say it like this, but you know, like you like to say, Colette, if it ble- if it bleeds, it leads. It leads. Yep. But it has to be more sensational. It always has to be more sensational than the last one. So each shooting has got to be more sensational, sensational. to get more airtime. Yes. And nobody's been able to beat the guy out of Las Vegas yet. So if you've noticed yeah. the past few shootings, it's in the news for a day or two, and then it just kind of goes away. Oh, So God, you, you got to beat more than, what is it, 53, 63 people yeah. to get wall-to-wall coverage all week. I mean, they report it, and then it's gone. And then it's gone. That's how callous we've become. That's how accustomed to yeah. it we've become. Oh, yeah. it's just another one. You know, yeah, it's and that's un- the way people feel. Oh, yeah. it's just another one. It's yeah. it's it's part of the fabric. It's it's the way of the world. Can't get away from it. It's the daily dialogue. Another shooting. Oh, that goes on all the time. Like here in California, another high speed chase that goes on all the time. It's every day. This is the high speed chase capital of the country. No place else. So these things that don't make any sense. It's a shame that we've become so callous and so numb to these things that at at one point they didn't happen like this. No. So when it when it happened, it stunned everybody. Not nowadays, it's it's just typical. It's the same thing when you're driving down the street and here comes an emergency vehicle. People don't even pull over anymore. People don't pull over, they don't give the emergency vehicle the right of way. People just keep right on going. And if the vehicle has to stop and wait for somebody to make a turn or get out of the intersection, the emergency vehicle stops. 
People don't stop for emergency vehicles. I think it's horrible. Whether that vehicle is coming or going, they don't know what's going on, but people don't stop for it. And it just never ceases to amaze me. I don't ever want to be that callous. We are in a place that I don't know that we've ever been. Uh, We've got all this technology. Things are going really beautifully from a technology standpoint. I mean, you could call anybody on the face of the earth anywhere, anywhere, no matter where they are. It doesn't matter. You don't have to know where they are. Call their number. You can you can basically call space. If you've got yep. people up on the space, <laughs> you can call space. Well, they have. They have. Remember those kids who spoke? Yeah, right, exactly. When they were up there? Yeah. But so we are doing some space. of the dumbest things that the yes. human being has, human beings have ever done. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, so we're going sure. very high here. And on the other hand, we are we are devolving. We're yeah. evolving at one point and at another point we're devolving. Yes. It's just a shame the types of things that you see. I don't know if you've uh, looked at some of the videos about what's going on in uh, down in Kensington, Philadelphia, the the, the drug use and people just standing on the streets just so high on drugs they can't stand up and they can't fall down, just bent over on the streets, uh. all over the streets, just. I mean, it is. It's like zombies. It really is like zombies. It's and insane. People are thinking that the the the, the vaccination is going to turn them into a zombie in five <laughs> years. But you got your zombies right there yep. from drugs, mm-hmm. and it's and it's not the vaccine. Nope. So come come on, come on. This is just. It's so out of hand. It is so out of hand. But you know what? As I said, as we said last year. People refuse to be spiritual. They refuse to humble themselves. They've turned away. There is a higher being. We've talked about it. And people just don't care anymore. Everything is so robotic. Everything is so technical. People don't have feelings anymore. That's why, the. have you seen the uh, concert that, what's that guy's name? The Astro World concert? Tim- no, 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 heck no. Justin Timberlake. No, what's going on with that? Justin Timberlake did a concert and he used artificial intelligence. He used robots in his performance. He's off to the side and the robot is doing all of the choreography. Incredible. Scary, scary, scary. Incredible. How in the world? And you see the robot, this artificial intelligence come out on stage and they showed Justin Timberlake over on the side, the right side of the stage and everything that he does, the robot does it. Wow. Too, too scary. Too, too scary. Did you know, Switch Reels, did you know that Chris Cuomo is suspended because of his brother? I saw something about that. Uh, I didn't get the whole thing, so. Yeah, he's suspended. They need to leave him alone. Leave those Cuomos alone. And Bill Cosby slammed the Me Too movement. Things are so out of hand. They are just so out of hand. There's, I can't think of a way to reel everything back in. We're going to do a show on that. We just have to do <laughs> a show on that. Let's get our guests in here because this is Giving Tuesday. Everyone is supposed to be a part of the giving movement. But you know what? Unfortunately, I know that they're talking about this all over the place, but I 
hope people are doing this. I hope people have humbled themselves. They've come to realize that we have to do this together. I don't know. And maybe our guests this evening can enlighten us on that. Maybe they'll have a better idea of what that is. We've got Andrea Ferrero. Hope I've said her last name correct. Andrea Ferrero. She's also a member of the California Jumpstart Coalition. Andrea became an educator over a decade ago to be a part of the changing world. She teaches on the Navajo and the Hopi Reservation where she grew up. She saw how the brightest students faltered when money moved from math class to practical application. Looking for tools to address issues of educational equity, she stepped into a world of financial literacy and ed tech. So she is a master in both areas. Andrea brings over a decade of experience in teaching and learning curriculum and program development and community capacity building together to design award-winning educational programs and digital projects. I'm so glad that she's here. We're both in education. We could have a very, very powerful, powerful conversation. Devoting her life to the changing world through the development of financial capability, Andrea has been able to lead pockets change to work with schools, organizations, and businesses to make finance fun through innovative educational approaches and meaningful ed tech tools. Welcome, 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 Andrea. And we also have Dialect from Pockets Change, who is the director of the Pedagogy. He's a podcast host, an educator, and a multifaceted artist. Uh, Dialect Kushner moved to, Brian Dialect Kushner moved to New York to study acting and law. Huh. That's interesting. After witnessing civil rights injustices at the law firm he worked for, he quit the job and dropped law altogether. Get out of here. Focusing solely on the arts, a mixed Caribbean kid, Dialect had issues finding roles that he could relate to or that he felt comfortable in playing. He took matters into his own hands. Good for you. While pursuing theater, he also focused on his passion for rapping. Gotta hear this. Dialect began writing rhymes, eventually releasing music and touring internationally. His first album, A One-Man Place, Square Peg Syndrome, we know that's a syndrome, helped him to get named to the public theater's emerging, emerging writers group. Today, Dialect is a mainstay in New York City's theater and hip-hop scenes. Welcome, 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 Dialect and Andrea. How are you? Please, please, please. Thank you so much for having us on. And, uh, you know, first of all, I just wanted to address, um, it's a shame y'all are dealing with such apathy in your area. If you're looking for goodness, kindness, and positivity, I would say look no further than the young folks that we have that we've been working with in New York City and around the country. You know, I think New Yorkers often get a, a bad rap for not being kind people, but the difference is is that New Yorkers aren't nice because nice often walks with a knife, but kind will save your behind. Like you've got a mask on right now. If I'm walking down the street in New York City right now, my neighbors will yell at me because they love me. They want me to have a mask on and be protected. Folks will cuss you out, be like, what you doing? What you, man, what, what's wrong with you? What you going down that way? Don't go down that way. You know, that's the dangerous alley. They will yell at you because they got your back. And that's the kindness that we see amongst our young folks. They are brave enough to be bold in their kindness and share that with each other. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. 
Okay. So, so excited to be here. And just one other thing with that, like day of giving, you know, generosity is way more than a day. And we see that with all of the kids and the projects that they're bringing out in their communities, financial education, we know that money is emotional and money is a tool. It's a process. And we see that the young people, they're looking at it as a tool and a process to be able to advocate for themselves, but more than that, to be able to advocate and make change in their communities. And do you see change? Yeah, it takes time. You know, it's, it's a building process, but we see amazing things happening. We've, we've had students, we've had former foster youth that started and worked through our program starting at age 13, went on to college, started working and actually teaching financial education to their peers and are now moving into their careers. We see teachers that feel more confident with their own personal finances and then are bringing that in so that their kids can question the financial systems that are at play in their lives. We have kids that sixth graders that started a dog walking business wow. and, and have been running that for a few years wow. now. And just amazing things that are happening both in the small scale, but also on the citywide and national scale too. That's great. Now, one thing I have to say, correct me if I'm wrong, smack me across the head, but the culture in New York is extremely different from the culture in California, the culture in Texas. If I had to put cultures together and compare them, California is way out in the Pacific Ocean. Texas, the southern region of the country, going around from Texas all the way around to the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, all the way up New York, D.C., Philadelphia, Chicago, all the way. Those cultures are more in line with each other. This culture in California as I said, it's way out. So you see kids who are making strides, who are doing things, who are aggressive. They're doing things at school. They're innovative. They're ambitious. It's like a C in California is a D and an F someplace else in other states. In California, C is a passing grade. You got a C, yay, great. A C is an A because the standards are so low. And when you lower the standards, there's no reason for anybody to strive for more. So if you've got kids, and I'm glad that you do, you've got sixth graders who are creating businesses. I worked at a school where one of the divisions, one of the magnets, business, engineering, and technology, it was tough to get kids into business, engineering, and technology. They wanted to be in the arts because they thought they didn't have to do anything and they thought they had skills. They could rap. So when it came time to doing work in each of those magnets, they always wanted the magnet that had the least amount of work, which they thought was the arts because they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to do the work. I think the tricky thing in that too, and I've been in education. I, I was a classroom teacher for, for seven years in my own classroom, but I've been in education for our almost 18 years. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen with kids is that they don't want to do busy work, right? And sometimes the assignments and the standards, and we know this coming into education too, you know, the standards and expectations sometimes don't align to what kids are passionate about and what they see is happening in the real world. You know, you all kick this off with all these in, these challenges that are happening mm-hmm. in our everyday world and kids want to be part of making a brighter future. 
and they see the problems that are before them. And heck, even when I was a kid, I didn't want to do that worksheet, right? That felt like it had nothing to do with life and where I was headed. And I think that that's where, and, and dialect can speak more to that, when we give kids the opportunities to lead their learning and to be part of a community, you see incredible things happen. And that's where you see us move away from apathy and you see kids become part right. of that, that strong right. learning community. Standards right. aren't tangible. Standards tend to be straight lines and straight lines are only good for chopping off heads. When you remove the standards, let go of the standards, not even worry or whether or not we lower the standards, we create a circle and a circle creates inertia and that creates a centrifuge and we all spin together and all rise together. Right. I, so, I completely agree. What Go is, ahead. What is the is it National Day of Giving, National Giving Day? Yes. Can, can, can you give us yes. some background on that? And, and are there activities? Are there events? What's, what's going on in that arena? Yeah, I'm so excited that you asked because this is actually so Pockets Change has been around as an organization. We are hybrid organizations. We have nonprofits so that we can really make financial education and happen all across the country so that we are able to increase accessibility for kindergarten through 12th grade and college age students, parents and educators. So we are a part of Giving Tuesday in that we're asking people to support and give funds to our organization in order to increase financial education access for kids all across the country. So $25 donation, if you go to pockets change forward slash donate, $25 can provide access to financial education for a student. And that's where you see these incredible things move forward. Day of Giving has been around for a long time. Um, it's a chance for nonprofits to really shine a light on incredible work that's happening across the country and globally. And the idea behind Giving Tuesday is that we're going to open our minds and our hearts and our and our wallets too to being able to create change through generosity and to really focus on philanthropy as individual givers. And that that individual giving can be $5, it can be $10, it can be $100, that it all comes together to make change. I want to be real honest with y'all about this. Giving Tuesday and all of this is a gimmick. It's a marketing scheme, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. A thing that we tell our students that is a gimmick is not a bad thing if you mean it, if it's real to you. These same type of gimmicks and marketing schemes have been used by nefarious companies who want to harm us or take money, extract money out of our communities. And we've learned the science behind that. We use those same things, like Andrea's saying, to be able to shed lights on the organizations who are doing things with people's best interests in mind. So we can use those fun, gimmicky, creative ways to get folks to get together. On a financial tip. Sorry about that. I forget. <laughs> Muted. So it says here. Oh, I. Oh, let me bring it back up. Yeah. So Pockets Change is an organization that was started by Andrea. Was it started by you? It was uh, myself and it was co-founded also by Di uh, Dialect's wife. Dialect. Yeah, Dialect's wife, uh, Pamela Capallet, who's an incredible financial planner. Um, she also has an organization, you got to plug it, um, Brunch and Budget, where you can have a meal and dig into your own finances mm. as mm. an adult. Um, definitely say, check out the podcast. And Dialect is the co-host of that Brunch and Budget podcast and does incredible work around the racial wealth divide. And Dialect actually is the one that came into our organization. We had been a few years into Don't be skipping over y'all. <laughs> I came in and I did some stuff, but you know, okay. you know, uh, but the uh, Andrea and Pam founded it. Uh, when was it y'all founded? I don't know the story. You tell the thing. Two, you don't be jumping two, over your part though. Come on. 2009, 2009. Pam and I met, we were teaching summer camps for really wealthy students. 
and we were teaching for another organization and we were wait 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 wait, 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 wait. summer camps for really wealthy students <laughs> yeah i was yeah, gonna say yeah, right, right. And i i had wow I, I, that that sounds yeah, like a I, cush gig to me so go ahead yeah. <laughs> exactly i mean yeah. almost all summer camps are for really wealthy students yeah. but you know that's a whole nother thing it, it is a whole nother thing and the thing is though is like it's not the communities that we grew up in and what we found ourselves talking about when we would finish the day is that why didn't we get access to that when we were kids and why didn't the communities that we grew up and have access to financial education and how important that was. And that was really the heart and the catalyst of us starting to bring our skills together. I had already been working in education for a while. Pamela was in financial planning and education. We brought those skills together to, to really grow what pockets changes today. And it started off, you know, with a curriculum for middle school and it has expanded since then from, you know, ages six to 60, having wow. generational learning with workshops and professional development. And wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. I, I want to ask it's this question. I'm going to ask this question and it's sitting right here on this page. Why hip hop and finance now? Yeah. That's Colette, what I Colette and I are, are boomers. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we don't, um, I don't want to say we don't get, but we're not involved with the whole hip hop culture and the whole hip hop thing. And we see it a little bit differently. So explain to us, answer that question right there. Why hip hop and finance? Why, why is that? Yeah. Why do they go together? Well, that's perfect in your timing. So Andrew's given the background about how things were going with pockets change. Pam and Andrew were doing their thing. Uh, as a fellow educator, I consulted. I've been a hip hop educator for almost 20 years now. And the reason I say a hip hop educator, not just like I'm a rapper who teaches, is that hip hop education, it's similar to Montessori, design thinking, project-based learning, social emotional learning, a lot of those other types of things in that it changes the idea of what hierarchy is. Hip-hop is this beautiful mode of expression where we have all these different ways that we express. I am an MC, meaning I use my words to express. You have your DJs who recontextualize sounds and are able to make something completely new out of sounds they heard before. You have your dancers who take their bodies and use their body language to express themselves. You have your graffiti writers who can't speak to you in person, but they express themselves by spray painting on a wall in the dark of night. The thing that's interesting about all of those different ways that we express is that's also the ways that we learn. These are our learning tendencies. And when we as educators can understand and make space for our students' learning tendencies, we can give them the room to grow as individuals. So I've been working in a lot of different spaces. I started out in the literacy space where I was working with mostly junior high and high school students trying to up their literacy. I remember going back home to kids in the Virgin Islands and having 15-year-olds who told me that they were illiterate. They said, I can't read. I don't know nothing about reading. And I would put on a beat and ask them to rap and you would hear the most wonderfully put together prose and metered words. And I would write down what they said and read it back to them and say, you are literate. Your medium just is speaking rather than using your eyes. How can we take that and translate to other areas of your life? So I've worked in literacy. I One of my best-selling albums was I made uh, for this uh, schoolhouse rock kind of company. They asked me to put together a um, math uh, what was it? The multiplication chart. So I made 12 tracks, one for each of the charts. One of the things about rhyme, and that's one of the things that gets uh, caught up in the hip hop thing is that these are mnemonics. As an educator, Colette, you know that mnemonics, rhyme, symmetry, those beautiful things allow us to understand things. That's why you have your rhyming phrase that you say, um, was um, stay, don't go away. Stick and stay, don't go away. Stick and stay, don't go away. That 
has beautiful symmetry. That beautiful symmetry creates truth. That's why when people listen to rhyming slogans in uh, advertisement, that's why when people go and listen to a rap battle, it doesn't matter really what they say, because when they say something that rhymes, it is symmetrical, it is beautiful, it seems true. What we help students do is get to the heart of where do they find their truth? How are they able to express that? How are they able to share themselves? A lot of what we do is based in understanding yourself around the things you work with, your identity. And that's vitally important because your identity is so tied up in your understanding and self-efficacy, your belief in your ability to get things done. They've done multiple studies that have shown you can present someone with accurate facts, but if it is wrapped up in their identity to deny these facts, they will never, ever listen to the things you say. If we can interrogate our identities, we can make them malleable. If we can understand, to bring things back to the musical part of the hip hop, the rhythm that resides within us, our heartbeat, the rhythm of our speech. As a teacher, Colette, you know that every time you walked into a room with students, you use the rhythm of your voice like I'm doing right now to set a tone. When you can set a tone for the room and give them a rhythm to share, then we can understand each other. That's what people mean by being on the same page. That's what people mean by vibing with you. These aren't metaphors. These aren't creative, silly things. This is actual, factual, literal physics saying that I reverberate off of you and we create that understanding. It may seem a difficult thing to catch from a bird's eye view, but in practice, I remember when I hated math and then got into hip-hop culture, started rhyming and got a perfect score on my math SAT. And that's the type of engagement, understanding, and love we provide with our students. So having said all of that, I know I went a lot of places. (laughs) That was was certainly a table full with I'm thinking about some of this I have seen mm-hmm. uh, quite a few years ago. I was a speaker at a California state continuation high school uh, conference. And after I spoke, I went over to one of the rooms and this very uh, information was being disseminated by someone who put together rap and math. And I thought, what a waste. I actually thought, how are you going to teach kids math in a rap song? I still, I still can't see it. It's hard for me to imagine. And you mentioned SEL. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about SEL, and we talk about putting math together with rap or hip hop. I just, I, I want to see that there's a correlation. And maybe oh. it's not that it, there's a correlation. It may be just as you said, it's the energy, it's the synergy. Well, it's, 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 it's what it's, happens. I would say it's not necessarily a synergy, it's more of a pedagogy. So, two things, right? First of all, you don't necessarily have to make a rap song or do anything involved with rap at all to be able to do hip hop pedagogy and work with math. But also you can make a rap song if that's the way that you rock. You know, if you are more of a movement person and to get math into your body, you need to get up and move around. Being able to get up and move around is going to be very beneficial for you when you do your thing. You see, one of the things about doing creative arts is that they involve what martial arts would call a kata, 
which is what linguists would call a mantra, which is what mathematicians would call problem solving, creating a set. If we can flip the way that we treat our brains and understand that the way we do anything is the way that we do everything, we can understand that the way that we would write a song, the way that we would choreograph a dance, and the way that we would remix some pictures that we see and put them into Photoshop is the exact way we would understand a math problem. Even more importantly, it literally uses math. If we were to simply use talking about making a rap song, rap songs are in 4-4 time. Uh, Everything in pop music is 4-4 time. Understanding that the rhythm in our bodies is often 4-4 time. We can get students to understand the two-step, how the two-step works out to a four-by-four equation, how four fours makes a 16, which every kid knows the 16 bars is the bars that you rap in a rap song. If you can inherently, without having to move a muscle, just by bobbing your head, just by listening along, be able but account to 16 on a beat you haven't heard before, you are engaging in math in ah, physical ways. I see. I see. So I, we I, catch them wherever they're at. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I see. I, I know see. Go a- ahead, Ken. Andrea's got to get out of here. So I wanted to give her a chance oh, yeah, to yeah, her, yeah. Her, her last minute words. But I do have a question. And I do have a question for you about that uh, uh, yeah. uh, dialect. But go ahead, Andrea. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm so, so excited that I got to join for part of this and jealous that Dialect gets to hang out with you all and all the listeners for another half hour, but I will catch it when it's out there. Um, and I just want to say that off of what Dialect was just saying, one of the most powerful things, if I could share like one like insight, one magical moment from the workshops that we see with kids, is we recently had a high school student um, say, to, say to us after a workshop, I don't feel alone in how I feel about money. And I think that's what it comes back to, because when you understand yourself, your relationship with money, the way that you learn as a learner, and you're able to feel powerful and connected to how you express, that's when you can tap into advocating for yourself within all the financial systems that are out there, because they are a mess and they're meant to be a mess. And we need to help our kids understand that and feel strong and advocating for themselves. And our kids are starting to build their relationship with money around six years old. The same time they're building their early literacy skills, but they're not getting the same amount of support for that. Money is still a bag, a, yeah. a big taboo. And, and Dialect yes. can share more about that. And so I'm just so excited that we get to have this conversation with you all and that uh, anybody that's listening, if you go onto the to the website that was being shared earlier and check out the toolkit, we would love if you take money personality quiz, start conversations with your kids and your families. The more we talk about money, the more we take action together, the more Absolutely. we are able to create that change. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was another question that I had, but I know you've got to go. But uh, it's also, you said social justice, money is not just about numbers. It's also about social social justice. And those are the things that are really important. They really, really Mm -hmm. need to be discussed. They really need to be discussed. So I'm really glad that you brought that here and you brought that up. And it all makes sense. It does have to be talked about. We can't run from it. And money is important. It is not simply about the numbers. So you're absolutely right. And thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. So please, Andrea, Andrea, please come back because Dialect is still with us. We want to talk about this further because it does make sense that the finances are not just about numbers. They are about social injustice. It is about social justice, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it really is. It truly is. So Dialect, Mm -hmm. tell us more about this, the social injustice, the Mm -hmm. self-care. Well, I had a question question because I 
Oh yeah, yeah. We'll go, go yours, before he left that, because I, I, I wanted to, wanted okay. to talk about the, the the whole rap thing and and kids learn and and I and I get that I I completely get that, but again, as boomers, we see it a little bit differently. So tell me, how do we get past the, the you know there's a whole lot of negative rap out there, and if you turn the radio on, there's all this negative rap, and there's this negative connotation about rap. You know, just was it two weeks ago the guy in in Memphis that got killed, a rapper, mm-hmm. and many times I bring up on the screen the number of rappers that have been killed in the past 20 years. And there's this whole one side, well, I guess it's one side of the rap that is completely negative. It's gangster rap. They call women all sorts of uh, different names. Disparaging bad names. names. Disparaging yeah. names. It, it's terrible. And so, again, as boomers, we see it a little bit differently. So what you're saying makes perfect sense to me, and I get that, and I'm on board with that. But, again, how do people like older people like us get past what we see on a daily basis with, with regard to the negativity? Um, I'll say, well, I mean, for boomers and older folks, you know, I consider myself an old soul and I love all the musicians of the past. And I've read all the old articles and they said the same thing about Miles that they said about Ice Cube. Um, Young Dolph, rest in beats, you know, the brother who was just shot, his wife ran a foundation called Black Men Deserve to Grow Old, where they had education initiatives and they had self-care initiatives where they were working in the community to do good things. Now, I remember as a young rapper when I moved to New York City and I was putting out songs and going and performing in the clubs and doing all this stuff. And uh, a record label, they were like hovering around me. They called me in for a meeting. They said, like, come on in for a meeting. We want to talk to you about the stuff. And they asked me about the type of work that I do. And they said, well, um, what about your song for the club? And I said, I, I don't have a song for the club. And they said, well, what about your song where you the best and you shoot anybody who ain't going, you know, well, I, don't, I don't have a song about that kind of thing. But then they said, well, how do you expect to make money and make a career doing what you're doing? I had to go in and find my own path. Uh, I can't fault other creatives, especially ones who didn't have other options because I had other options and I found my own ways to making money doing the art that I do. But uh, I can't fault others for doing the things they've been incentivized to do. Uh, a lot of gangster rappers in the early era of gangster rap. And um, I was born in Philly. So I know about, you know, the first gangster rap record was Schoolie D, PSK. And these were expressions of their frustration. There's this amazing interview with Tupac where he talks about, you know, through the history of black music, you know, uh, back in the day, it's like you singing for your food. We want some food. <laughs> get some food. Yes. And then, you know, and then funk comes in the seventies because it's been a long time we eat. It's like, mm, we want some food. Yeah. We want some food. And then Pac was like, now by the time the nineties, we've been there for 50 years, we starving. So now we picking the lot coming in blasting. These are the expressions of the desperate and frustrated and what happened is these white owned record labels they saw that and just like they did with your generation with black exploitation films because i'm not going to tell you that richard roundtree was a bad person i don't think that the brother was doing wrong i thought he was doing the best he could the role that they gave him was a violent dangerous man who yeah loved his people but did a whole lot of mess the things that they allowed women to do foxy brown she is a hero despite the things she was asked to do in her work so my brothers sisters and non-binary folks who say negative things in their rap i understand that they are parts of system that incentivize them to do negative things now that being said the what has happened is like every single facet of black music since the inception of black music in America, we've been demonized. 
the only things that have been put forth, the only things that have been shined lights on have been the things that have been negative, which has made it harder for this wonderful, powerful, beautiful art form that was founded upon nonviolence. Y'all know how hip hop got started in the Bronx? Brothers, brothers were stabbing each other up in the Bronx. They were fighting and hurting and stabbing each other. It was a whole big mess. And the DJs from the area, they say, hey, guys, why y'all stabbing each other? That's wild. Yo, everybody likes to do this dance, the uprock dance. It was this new uprock dance. It was like the um, precursor to breakdancing. Like they hadn't gotten on the floor. It's just this like little move. And they're like, instead of stabbing each other, can we have a contest? to see who's better at the dance. And then after you decide who's better at the dance, we could squash it. And the DJs would plug something illegally, plug in their turntables into the light outside on the street because they didn't have anywhere. They weren't allowing folks to have no parties and congregating spaces because they couldn't afford it. So they put this out here in the park and they built community and they had people get down and get together and have each other's back and protect each other. As a young kid, when I moved to New York to get into the acting world, I saw that it was a little bit too racist, a little bit too sexist, a little bit too gross in every kind of way. I went straight to the Bronx in Cortona Park and saw them same old hip hoppers still rocking, still building, still creating community. The other day, I was just at the groundbreaking for the Universal Hip Hop Museum, and I got to meet Melly Mel's daughter and grandkids. And these are folks who are the children of folks who were not necessarily rich and famous, but ones who built and set a rhythm that other people could ride on. They showed them a path towards doing things in a way that works for them. That's the point of creativity. What did Adrian Marie Brown say? The point of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. We all have our part in where we are. Uh, Colette, you were talking about, um, uh, I, I was surprised I hadn't heard that bio in a while about how I was trying to be a lawyer. And then I felt that I needed to leave. I was working for these lawyers who represented the police who shot Amadou Diallo. I was like 19 or 20 years old. I was in the mail room and doing some paralegal kind of stuff, you know, trying to learn from them. They did music law and all that. And I saw them walk in the room popping champagne bottles after they got those police acquitted. And I went and talked to the lawyers, the ones that I liked, the ones I respected and say, what can I do? I'm trying to do different. I'm trying to change things. And they say, hey, the path you want, either you're going to give up and sell out or you're going to be a burnout public defender. I don't see how you're going to be able to make the change that you're trying to make. That really? led me to dig into my artwork. And I said, well, okay, as an artist, I can at least complain, right? I can at least express. I can at least show how I'm stressed out. That led to a young lady I was seeing inviting me to do some of my rhymes, do some poetry for some students, like fifth graders, fourth graders. And after spending years rocking for drunk people in nightclubs, because that's the only option we're given as musicians, seeing these young kids say, you know, in that second stanza, you were talking about how sometimes people in the neighborhood don't act right. And I've seen this one guy and they're like breaking all these things down. And I saw their eyes light up. And I saw when I asked them about what's going on in their lives and if they can write their own stories, how they would be able to express things. They weren't able to tell their teachers the reasons why they were doing poorly in school, the reasons why they were preoccupied, the reasons why they were stressed. I was like, wow, this is a way I can make change. I went back home to St. Croix where we have, we're a colonized place. You know, uh, St. Croix is like Puerto Rico where we're, uh, we don't get to vote for president, but we have the highest rate of military enlistment. You know, we have to take the ASVAB mandatory. That's not mandatory in the States, but it's mandatory for us. And I went wait, back wait, home. To, hey, hang on, the ASVAB? Yeah, yeah, that's the test to see if the you The test can, to can qualify for the military. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, I, I took it. I got a, a high score on it, and then I was recruited. I had military dudes come picking me up after school in their BMW and taking me to Pizza Hut, trying <laughs> to push me on some, oh, we're going to give you some money for college to go do your thing. My mentor, actually, the one who taught me to rap, an amazing rhymer, amazing artist, went and then was gone for four years. When I went on my first tour, I had to do it without him because he was up in the military. And, you know, Love to everybody who does military service. You know, you choose the path you're in, but it seems weird when we're not even able to vote for the people who make the decisions and what we're doing. We have a lot of hardships. There's a lot of financial difficulties. And back home, there's not a lot of trust in our education systems because we don't have a lot of access to things. I went back home and I worked with the students there. And the most uplifting and heartbreaking thing is when I went and performed in front of them, showed them all the negativity. I put together uh, the show, uh, Colette was talking about the square peg syndrome where I talked about being a mixed race kid in Pennsylvania, where there was a, um, what they called a race riot, which meant that the same cops that was teaching us dare was chasing down all the black kids. And my little high yellow behind was caught in the middle and all of that. When I told my students in St. Croix about me getting locked up and having to spend an overnight for nothing, for doing nothing at all, they're up and hooping and hollering because they connected because they understood because my identity matched theirs. That meant they believed me. That meant they understood me. That meant they would listen. That meant they would learn. Wow. Wow. Did you say you feel me? (laughs) Well, and that's a literal (laughs) thing too, right? To say, I feel you means I viscerally understand you. I'm, uh, I I love words so much, as you can see, uh, I I, I study the history of them. And (laughs) yeah, very good. You, you're, you could keep going because I'm so intrigued. (laughs) I'm I'm blown away. I do want to talk a little bit about the social justice thing you brought up. And I feel like I can say this one a little bit more succinctly. And before you get started, we've got some people here that want to ask questions of you. So, Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, let's wrap. Well, uh, I'm gonna keep this one pretty succinct. So back in the day, uh, I remember this great speech by uh, Huey Newton from the Panthers, where he was telling the brothers and sisters, Hey, to the best of your ability, have your papers, have your ID, have your stuff together. Because if you don't have your stuff together, the cops can run up on you and take you off the street and jail you. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that's less likely. It still does happen. But nowadays, you know how they take you out of the game? Money. If you got a bad credit score, you're going to have trouble getting a job. You got it. You have trouble getting an apartment. You your insurance it. is going to be higher. If you don't have savings, when they throw you and folks, I have gotten weird numbers and bills, things thrown at me. When they throw you those numbers, you go into debt. You have to do other things. You can't do the gig you wanted to do. You have to take this other job. It takes you out the game. So what we do, we call it a little bit of triage. We say that getting your finances together is an act of revolution because it's the first step. Because if you can put yourself in a place where financially they can't take you out of the game, then you can be a change maker. You You, are. You're absolutely right. right. And let me say this. Uh, uh, I was in uh, I live in Dallas, but I'm from California, but I was in L.A. visiting my son a couple of weeks ago. And he lives in the Hollywood area and (laughs) they and it happens all over L.A. where they do street cleaning on certain days. So and, and where he lives, there's a lot of apartments and there's no parking in the apartments. None. So they have to park on the streets. So certain days you have to get up early in the morning and get out and move your car to the opposite side of the street street. so they don't come and ticket your car and, God forbid, and tow it. And And if they tow it, they're going to keep it for a minimum of 30 days. And little things like that, 
They do that to keep poor people poor. So if you're yes. on your way, you've got something going on. Okay, I'm making a little bit of money. I'm saving a little. Oh, crap. I forgot to move my car. Mm-hmm. And one my day car. he said last year, one day they did. Uh, he was actually out of town and came back and they had put um, they were doing some work on the streets. But he didn't oh. know. And he mm-hmm. got back like just in time before they started work to move his car. Otherwise, he would have been ticketed and towed. But they do these things just to keep poor people poor. Just like in L.A., his car, I'm in Dallas. I've got to drive a Range Rover. It cost me $75 to register that right. car. Right. My son drives an Acura in L.A. It costs $300 to, to register that car. It's insane. But let's, but it's let's, insane. yeah, let's go ahead and, and let the people start asking the questions. And, and so I'm, I'm glad going, you brought that up. I'm telling, yeah, and I'm trying to bring my, get my daughter to register her car where she bought it in Atlanta. Do right. not mm-hmm. register your car in California. Do so not. Expensive. You will be set back $500 or $1,000. Yeah. You it's will insane. be set back. It's crazy. It's the same, it's it's the same in New York. By the yeah. way, I do want to shout out, uh, there's a great book that talks about this phenomenon called Land of the Fee by this brother, Devin Fergus. He's a great cat who uh, has explains how they took a lot of the money things that were already being uh, legally done. You know, when, you know, they're repealing Jim Crow era laws and things like that, they had to use subterfuge mm-hmm. to yeah. still be extracting money out of people. And these small fees you're talking about is a major part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. Let's go to Theater Redwine. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Hey, and, um, I really enjoyed um, his comments regarding um, the students in music. I taught mm-hmm. inner city and the children are very, very, and it was in um, Dixon Circle, which is one of the highest crime areas in the Dallas area. We used rhythm and music. I was teaching reading language arts and it worked beautifully. My question is, how was rap instrumental in your perfect SAT score? Would you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is, mind you, this is far before I was an educator. So I wasn't top of mind, really aware of what was going on. But I always had trouble getting into the groove with math. I would stare at the page and the numbers would kind of mean nothing to me. I understood it. And I was good at it in in rote ways. It, It didn't work for me. When I started rhyming, I started listening to numbers more. I was looking for them more and I was looking for the ways that they connected. As a rapper and specifically as a rapper, as a verbal person, I was looking for different types of rhymes. You wanted to sound impressive. You wanted to have the next flippity jibbity multiple syrupy kind of thing to sound interesting and funny. And to do that, I had to try changing time signatures. I had to try and change tempo, pitch, and all of these things that were using math. And as I became more aware of that, my mind started putting the actual numbers to the actions that I was doing. Wow. Okay. Theta? Yes, I did. I also wanted to ask, how would one, um, what would I Google in order to find more information on uh, the way you're helping youth via music? In other words, from an educational perspective, where would I go? Yeah, most definitely. You can go to Pockets Change, Pockets with an S, change.com. It's actually a Gertrude Stein quote that money is always the same, but the pockets change. Um, If you go to that website, we have a lot of resources. There are a few introductory workshops. I have one rhythm based one that actually teaches you some of the basics of rap and improvisational rap. That is some easy stuff to do. And also 
things dealing with your feelings, with your emotions, and how your understanding of your relationship with money can make you understand the decisions you want to make with money. Thank you. So, so dialect, when you talk about money and Mm -hmm. when you talk about numbers, you're talking about self-care. Elaborate Mm -hmm. on how that, where the correlation is between money, numbers, and self-care. That too is an area that should be dealt with and should be talked about because people don't understand how that correlates and how Mm -hmm. their lives intersect with money and dollars and numbers. They just don't Mm -hmm. get it. They think it's all separate and it really isn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing, uh, we oftentimes place an undue burden on numbers to bear the brunt of what our finances are. Finances aren't really that much about numbers. They're much more about how our feelings make us use numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. there's the old trick of like, if we put something for $19.95 instead of $20, the number there is going to, you know, that's a little bit of a trick or the ones where they'd like, it's a dollar for a small, dollar fifty for a medium, and a dollar seventy for a large. You don't really need all that, but dollar seventy sounds like a good deal because it's only twenty cents yeah. more. So you get that. Yeah, those numbers right. are numbers things. But the real point is, do you know when that works on us? It works on us when we're worn down. We're Absolutely. smart people. Absolutely. Like there's this thing, you know, I know, you know, this as educators, like they, they tell us a lot that like our students are dumb and they're not dumb and we're not dumb. We're not dumb. We're not wrong. We're not alone. Like we are much smarter than we think. And oftentimes we're more likely to outsmart ourselves. And we know that Popeye's chicken is wafting that smell. I don't know if, you know, y'all got lots of good barbecue spots, but over here in New York, you know, Popeye's is big. It's all over my subway stop stops right above there. And they're wafting that Popeye's smell. And I don't, <laughs> I don't bother with it. Usually I'm good. I'm smart. I know what they're trying to trick me, but when it's been a long week, when I'm beat down, they might get me. You know how it is when you're beat down. Oh yeah, sure. Uh People can, even if someone's like, Hey, come do this thing. And you didn't want to do it. But when you worn out, you don't even know how to tell them no. Yes. Yes. Money and our decisions and our emotions are all wrapped up. A lot of times we spend money to make ourselves feel better, to replenish our willpower so we can say no to other stuff. We teach something about how a lot of the things that we're told we should feel guilty about that we spend money on, the things people will say, like your clothes, your shoes, going out to eat. Some of us really value those things. You know that kid who's got the big mohawk and they spent hours on it and they make sure that they walk out if they don't feel again bringing back to identity if they don't feel like themselves they're not going to make the right decisions Mm -hmm. if you don't stay up all night waiting in line to get that pair of sneakers that are going to make you feel like you you're worn down Mm -hmm. and that money that you saved not buying that thing that you love that feels real to you you don't end up saving that money nine times out of ten you end up spending it on stuff you don't care about Mm -hmm. stuff other people want you to care about Mm -hmm. So what we do, and this is inherent in the creative part, but also in the SEL of what we're doing in terms of what self-care really is, is understand what matters to you. And it doesn't matter if it matters to me. I I don't have to like your sneakers, but if that means something to you, you make space for them. And if you make space in your budget, you will be able to spend more money on the things that you love while also saving money by not spending money on the random stuff that other folks want to get out of you. Right. It's about taking these feelings and breaking them down into spreadsheets. And that takes a lot of creativity. 
so isn't it also more about understanding and having a relationship Mm -hmm. with money? Because Mm -hmm. we've got folks who talk about Mm -hmm. the relationship Mm -hmm. that we must have with money. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. You're so right on when you're talking about uh, taking away a credit score. You can't do anything Mm -hmm. if your credit Mm -hmm. score sucks. Okay. I was talking to someone and I asked, what is your credit score? And somebody said five. That ain't funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, ain't, that ain't funny. Okay. So, but, but it was not until recently that everybody talks about the credit score. They talk mm-hmm. about money and they talk about, and it, California, I'll never stop talking about California. I was in Beverly Hills today and I passed by the old 76 station on Santa Monica Boulevard turns into Burton way. Gas is $6 and 59 cents a gallon for premium. 6.59. That blows my mind. 6.59. Okay. And And people are paying it. People will pay it. And people are paying it. Mm. But what do you have a few yards down? And I do mean, a few yards down from that 76 station, that's six to 59 a gallon, a few yards down on the center medium, the island are about 10 tenths for homeless people. Mm-hmm. 10 tenths for homeless people have created encampments in Beverly Hills. So when the homeless people say, get stopped, and the officer says, where do you live? And the homeless person says, Beverly Hills. He ain't lying. (laughs) (laughs) He he ain't lying. It -hmm. may not be in a dwelling, but he's certainly living in Beverly Hills on the street. Mm -hmm. There is no shame here. Whether it's about money or it's about integrity. And there is no integrity here. Let's get that clear. There is no integrity here. How do you have... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, you know, uh, you, you was talking about rappers dying and something, you know, I'm also a student of activists. Integrity will get you killed. Uh, it, it's why a lot of people may have integrity, and, but they won't show it. Uh, and uh, again, you know, uh, love to the folks who are brave enough to show it and to face those dangers and also love to the people who are like, I got to take care of my family. I want to talk a little bit about what you're saying about these personalities and the, the vibes. You know, we have a, a test on our site. I'm going to put up the link. Uh, it's a personality test, pocketschange.com slash personality. It's just a two question test. And it's basically about your relationship and your history with money. I'm uh, a money monk. Uh, it's the answer B for one and B for two. And I'll tell you a little bit. I talk about this in my workshops all the time. Uh, I it mentioned being a mixed kid because, you know, identities and a lot of the work that I do. But in terms of finances, my racial identity matters a lot. You were talking about kids uh, in Philly being strung out on drugs and um, being lost. I lost my brother to drugs in Philly in the 1980s, where things were much worse, horrifyingly worse. I mean, the mayor dropped a bomb on the city kind of worse. And when it comes to our relationships with money, I didn't realize that I was mixed or that being mixed mattered until my dad died when I was 10. And the white Jewish side of my family decided they didn't like me having a black mom or me being a black kid. And they decided to do everything they could to keep money out of our hands. We went from comfortably middle class and being able to take care of ourselves to dead broke and having to move in with my mom's sister, trying to get our stuff together and figuring it out. I was stressed and I did 
everything I could to get money. I was that young hustling kid making sure that I had something so I could put in my mom's purse so we could take care of ourselves. And by the time I was 17 and I graduated and I went up for college, I hated money. I hated it desperately. And any money that I got, I spent it. I gave it to my friends. I put it out of my hands because I knew that it was a harmful thing that only broke people up and messed stuff up. That was my relationship. But I had like you say, some kind of integrity or some kind of intentionality like this show. And I appreciate y'all on that. I had intentions with what I wanted to do with the world. I knew that folks back home in St. Croix were despondent and out of money. I knew that people here in New York, they didn't have their stuff together. If I wanted to help people out, I needed to, just like we teach now, I needed to have my base together. And I needed to understand my relationship with money, understand why I had these feelings. These feelings don't go away. Colette, Kenny, I tell this, I've been doing this five, six years now. And I've done this speech hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And every time I do it, I'm reliving being back and 10 years old again. And my Jewish family says you ain't family. Uh, It's okay that these feelings don't go away. I mean, it's not okay, but it's going to have to be okay. We have to feel these feelings, be real with them and understand them so that we can actually get through them. And the first step is addressing them. Wow. (laughs) You know know how to channel heavy, Heavy stuff. Yeah, you um, know how to channel those feelings, right? So, what's, yeah, well, yeah, because we got to to have y'all back. Absolutely. You what's on the What's on the horizon for you, Dialect? You and and the organization and and the uh, uh, movement. What's on the horizon for you guys? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So we have a lot of workshops and we have a lot of teacher trainings we're going to be doing in the new year. We are going to be doing our second annual. Fin Fest. We did one last year where the thing you're talking about, making rap songs about personal finance. One of the things I do like about rap is its ability to be a journalist for the community. You know, MC means move the crowd, motivate the community and all that good stuff. So we made this contest where we put up uh, just some Google folders of raps, uh, not a rap songs, of financial lessons, the racial wealth divide, history of things, giving folks the information. We put together beats that high school students made and we sent a call to students from around the country and said, check out this information. What does your community need to know? What do you need to tell your people? Take this information, take these beats, make a rap song about personal finance and share it with your community. We had some judges, folks like Sway, Bahamadia, some great, amazing hip hoppers who were judging what was going on. We picked some winners, had them go do some performances, and we're going to be doing it again next year in about April. That's going to be some really exciting and powerful stuff. Um, I also still do make music myself. I have a remix I'm going to be dropping in week couple of weeks i'm not quite sure exactly when i'm going to be doing it um i work with this wonderful gentleman sly fifth avenue this horn player a jazz cat who uh he's well known for putting together uh, dr Dre's the chronic as an orchestral piece and he made this beautiful remix of a song i made called preach to the choir because you got to preach to the choir so you know what to sing and we're going to be putting that in um out in a little bit i was telling you how i have a love of words i'm a bit of an etymologist and (laughs) i make some videos about my museum of dead words i built this museum out of all the words that basically power structures have killed that we've used for liberation i don't know if y'all noticed the word woke was killed about three weeks ago they finally put a knife into it and it's Mm -hmm. been a big old mess so i'm going to be putting out a video i'll share with y'all so i'd love to get y'all opinion on it about how the death of the word and its use in our community has been harmful for us so we have creative endeavors yes 
So we have creative endeavors we're going to be dropping. We have some educational calls. And if anybody wants to get involved in Pockets Change, please go to pocketschange.com. Give us a ring in any way. If you're trying to change the lives of students, if you are an educator yourself, if you are a creative, we want all of the creatives in all the communities. You know, I had this dream right before the pandemic and y'all are involved in this. I want all the journalists, all of the artists, all of the social workers, all of the policy people to all get together with the activists so that in every community, we have that hand that makes a fist so we can knock it down. Wow. Outstanding. You are, you are, <laughs> you are incredible. Uh, before I say thank what you, I need to y'all. say, Appreciate I'm going to let, I want to let Leonard Collins in here for a second. Cause I know he's got something to say, Leonard. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, First of all, um, amazing Dialogue. show. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got yes. you, Leonard. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and young man, you are amazing. Uh, Thank you so much. You know, I, I keep everybody, you know, I keep reading it. You know, I have my glasses on and I'm laughing at myself <laughs> because they keep saying dialect, right? Yeah. I'm saying, that's not the way you spell it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, I know, I, you know, I know it in dialect, but I spelled that way. That's not how and you then spell I heard the rapping part. I said, oh, oh, okay. I got it now. Okay. I got it now. <laughs> but, um, what I wanted to say, um, and we've always said, uh, one of the things, uh, this organization, Intentional Talk, is we need to have a younger generation take the lead. And we kind of use ourselves as counselors, uh, so to speak, because it is your time. Um, And because of your intellect, um, I was just wondering, because I have two things I want to say. I was just wondering, have you decided to have, I'm using the word franchise, Mm -hmm. but I think that you might want to consider teaching people how to speak the way you speak and get them to understand that because something like this, you, like I said, you could be in Texas, Mm -hmm. but we're all over the United States. Mm -hmm. Your way of thinking needs to be nationwide. That's the the other thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say is when we're talking about our finances, one of the things that we have lost is we set the game. Okay. Now we're following the game. Mm -hmm. So we have to get back to setting the standards. Yeah. So for example, I'm working on a project. I'm working on a project right now, right? So you know how we were talking about credit score. There was mm-hmm. a time when credit mm-hmm. score was good at 600. You yes. were the bomb mm-hmm. at 600. Mm-hmm. Now they laugh at you. You know, right. it's just common. <laughs> you have people at 850. So what in, in the project that I'm working on, one of the things that I've said is grade point average uh, to play sports, you got to have a 2.75 or a 3.0, right? to play uh, academic sports, right? Excuse me, collegiate sports. Well, in the movie, I have raised it to 3.85 starting in high school. So what what I'm trying to do is get us to understand the game that's coming, not the game that we're playing. Yeah. We need, we need to set the standards and that's the opportunity that we have as black people. But again, uh, you are amazing. Uh, my recommendation is teach classes, young people like you, and try to franchise your culture nationwide. And that's well, all I got. 
Thank you Thank so you. much. I mean, you said so much right there. Um, in terms of the franchising, I mean, we do teacher trainings and we do share and spread the word. My favorite rhyme ever is each one teach one. So I'm right there with you. Um, I've been working as, uh, I think, more than 10 years now. I've been doing teacher trainings across the country. I do it back home. I've been writing curricula here in New York City. I've been able to change some of the curricula to be able to say the real stuff that we have going on. I have great partners here that have allowed that. So I'm right there with you. And what you're saying about setting the standard and being ahead of the game, that is one of the biggest things that I feel like is the thing in the Black community now because we always were ahead of the game technology has remember it used to take like nearly 10 years for people to white folks to pick up on black slang and now they got it like <laughs> fleek came out the next day they were yep. like we on fleek TikTok. Like, how did y'all where did you get this stuff yeah like they're on it like that mm-hmm. and i think that that's something we haven't been accountable for and that is the thing being back on our heels has made it so we haven't been able to set those standards so that's a really powerful point that could be its whole own show Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Dialect. Y'all so much. The hour has gone by so fast and we're not finished. We're not finished. We're just getting started. Dialect, you have to come back. You have to come back. We have I, not I, seen. I, 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 y'all, y'all didn't even let me rap, so we, yo, <laughs> no, we, we, we got to bring you back. We'll have a site. We'll have a whole site for next time. Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll yep. have to. Because I, I want y'all to rap too, because you know I'll show you how to do. It. It's gonna be. All right. I'm, I'm gonna practice. It is now six o'clock, and we got to get and shut it down. And now, it's yeah, 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 yeah. See, 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 see. Showing that ain't age, me. Yeah. That ain't me. This has been amazing, guy. Like we really appreciate it, man. Really, really good thank you, stuff. Thank you so much. And yes. if 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 and more, and again, saying this as a boomer, if more rappers were like you, were like you, we we could yes. we could we could buy it. It's 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 we just have the problem with the negative yeah. and what the negativity is doing to our community. But we we're, we are I, I out of time. I promise you, I promise you, and I've been around the world. More rappers are like me. Uh, but 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 the problem is they're not on the radio, and that's what I people know, are in here. I that's know, for, but, yeah. That's what, but, yeah. But, but I got them for y'all. I'll, I'll bring them around. We'll, cool, we'll, cool. We'll build that community. Real good, man. Thank Real y'all good. So much. Y'all you take well. care. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great. You've got to come back. Thank Most you so down. much Most for down. being here. And folks, this has been Pockets Change on this Tuesday, Giving Tuesday, the last day of November. Thank you for joining us right here at itrnradio.com. Tomorrow, we've got In The Mix conversations with Colette and Corliss. And don't forget, Saturday at Miss Mary Southern Kitchen in Dallas, Texas. Be with us. And on December 12th, our Christmas program, the second annual Joyful Christmas Carol. Folks, we've got a lot going on. Be here with us, itrnradio.com. Thank you, Dialect. Thank you, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. We expect to see you back here, right here on the Attention Have a great night. Be safe. If you need help going home, give us a call. Let us know. Take care, everybody. 